Hello and welcome to the Beaver Pod. Today we're lucky enough to have with us Lucy Grieve, President-elect of Beaver, and last year's President Renata Weller. Hi both. Hi. So we're going to be talking a little bit today about what we like and what we don't like about being equine vets. But before that, we'll just touch on news. Uh, this week, the latest DEFRA Animal Health Trust Beaver Equine Quarterly Disease Surveillance Report was published. So that's available both on the AHT website and on the Beaver website. Have a look. Lots of interesting stuff there about infectious diseases, particularly on the flu outbreak over the beginning half of this year. Uh, we've also announced that the International Equine Colic Research Symposium will take place in Edinburgh uh, from the 15th to the 17th of July next year. Um, and the government report, the official reports on the sales of anti veterinary antibiotics have shown that those sales have halved over the last four years, which is obviously great news. Um, it also highlights the fact that the sales of licensed equine veterinary antibiotics have also gone down very significantly. But I don't think that's the whole story, is it, Lucy? No, I think you're right. It's, it's referring to the licensed products only. And of course, as we know, out in practice, plenty of unlicensed um, products are used in equine medicine. So it's only telling part of the picture. We'd need the rest of that data to know what's truly happening out there. Absolutely. And we're doing our best to gather that whole data so that we can we can get a complete picture. Um, other news announced this week. Simon Innes has stepped down as CEO of CVS. Renata, as a CVS employee, what's the what's the gossip there? <laughs> I, I don't know about gossip, but certainly Simon has done a great job for 16 years and I, I do think he deserves his retirement. And uh, I think Richard Fairman, the new CEO, who so far has been the CFO, uh, I'm 100% sure he, he will do a brilliant job. And our very own Ben Checklin, equine surgeon, uh, is uh, going to take over as COO. Um, so I'm, I'm quite looking forward working with them. Great stuff. Um, and then another another of your former employers has caused a bit of consternation recently. I've just heard that the uh, charity calendar that's been produced for a number of years now by final year veterinary students at the RVC has been banned. Shock horror. Um, I think there's lots of gossip there, but I'll leave listeners to find out on their own what the background to that is. Uh, <laughs> and probably we ought to move swiftly on. So uh, retention... Uh, in the profession has been a, an item that's been much debated. Renata, you put together and led a, a wide survey earlier this year, um, which touched on these things. W what did that survey highlight in terms of retention in the profession? Well, first of all, David, I would quite like to, to point out that this was a joint effort between us, Beaver, uh, the BSAVA and the RVC. And I would like to thank all of the people involved here. And, and to me, I, I just wanted the reason I put effort into this uh, and ask people for, to help with this was because there's a, it's quite a bit of uh, anecdotal evidence out there about factors that affect recruitment and retention. I just wanted some scientific data, really. And what we found, and some people might say this is not very surprising, that what vets and vet nurses like the most about their profession is actually animals. 
And I know this might sound uh, a, a little bit cheesy, but I have to say this is uh, still, after quite a few years in the profession, I like horses. <laughs> Good to know, Renata. <laughs> Good stuff. But it certainly seemed to be that there was a um, one of the frustrations that that the respondents felt with the profession involved interactions with clients. And Lucy, do you think that's something that changes as you go throughout your career? Yeah, I, I, I think definitely. I mean, when you start off, you know, particularly in equine, you see far fewer clients for probably longer periods of time at a go each day and you get to know them much more as individuals than perhaps you do as a small animal practitioner. I'm not sure, can't speak from experience. But um, but yeah, I think as you're you know starting out your career as a new graduate, you're quite nervous and quite frightened of the clients at times and they can be um, a bit intimidating. And then as you get more experienced and more confident, then obviously they, they probably create less fear and, and upset you less as you get older so that's that's going to perhaps allow you to then enjoy the client interaction a bit more. So Renata do, does that suggest that we ought to be um, focusing more in the early years of our of our clinical practice on teaching people how better to deal with with clients? Yeah, I certainly think so. And at, at CVS, the new grad program, uh, a large part is dedicated to the so-called uh, soft or generic skills uh, and, and client communication or communication skills full stop uh, form a large part of that. Uh, and does that mean if we if we're having to do that for new grads, does that mean in your former life at the RVC, we weren't doing that well enough, Renata? Um, in, in, in all fairness, I, I think uh, the majority of universities and definitely the RVC uh, does include uh, sessions on communications uh, in, in the curriculum, including, you know, using actors and, and, and so on. But I guess there's always the component that you need to actually practice this in a real world situation as well. <laughs> and I, I mean, I'm, an, I'm such an old fart. I, I, I'm pretty sure I didn't have any client communication teaching when I was at college. Lucy, did you have much? And was it any good? Yeah, I mean, I think we had a couple of hours of this kind of role play type scenario with actors. And of course, if you're good at client interaction and have good people skills already and naturally you're probably going to find that useful there's a couple of hours bit of practice but unfortunately I think if you're not so good at it it doesn't come as naturally then two hours isn't going to fix that and I think therefore you have to recognize that as an individual and perhaps focus longer term through your career at improving those skills perhaps with CPD or, or such like. And Lucy you probably relatively early in your career were faced with um, some pretty tough resource trainers to, to to deal with who I imagine were pretty clear in their own minds what needed to happen. Yeah, they were terrifying, if I'm being frankly <laughs> about it. They, they, I had many a sleepless night wondering what on earth they thought of me and, 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 and how little respect they probably had for me as a young, you know, new recent graduate. So um, yeah, it was, it was quite frightening and it definitely didn't, you know, didn't put you at ease um, and they didn't try to put you at ease. But also what, what doesn't, kill you makes you stronger doesn't it so <laughs> you've got to look at it in that way as well that it's all a learning curve for everyone it's just how you how you approach it and how you tackle it absolutely and and early in your career Renata is that is that something that chimes with you uh, I I think I might be a little bit different to Lucy there I I, I actually I, I don't think I necessarily 
necessarily perceived it as it being a problem. But then I, I guess everyone who knows me knows that I like to talk. And uh, But certainly what I have learned over the year is to listen more. Uh, so there, there was uh, a, a little bit of an evolution there. <laughs> uh, we've sort of all been through that uh, that process, but do you think the client the, the do you think clients have changed over the last ten, fifteen, twenty years, Lucy? Yeah, you're definitely competing more with other external sources of information, aren't you? I think so. Probably back in the day before the internet, certainly, you know, clients would listen much more to their vets and take what they said as gospel, whether that's good or bad, <laughs> depended on the individual uh, interaction. But but you know, nowadays they can get so much information so easily. You've got to justify what you're saying and back it up, and that's I think makes it much more challenging. You certainly can't wing things at all. You know, you've got to be honest about that. So it's it's a very different world we're living in now. Uh, Renata, presumably that's the same for lots of professions and and lots of lots of industries. Yeah, I, I guess we any uh, uh, anyone uh, struggles or, or has to cope with Doctor Google. Uh, and I guess we, we know, as, as educators, uh, we, we do know that our role has changed from being the keeper of knowledge to being the curator of knowledge. So, uh, and, and universities recognize that, you, you know, it's more about uh, teaching students how to apply knowledge uh, rather than how to have the knowledge as, as such. So, yeah, I guess there was a, a quite a fundamental shift with the digital explosion in, in, in the terms of client expectations probably in equine world the historical um livery yard owners have probably <laughs> always experienced a lot of you know advice from other you know other other horse owners so we probably were quite well prepared for it actually over the decades <laughs> as, a, as an industry and do you think that direction of travel is going to continue Renata do you think it's going to be even more difficult in 10 years time for young graduates to come out and and be authoritative and confident in in our marketplace yeah i think there's two factors here so one is that obviously there's no science that the digital uh, uh you, you know a knowledge base is uh, slowing down in growth uh, but also, obviously, our demographics uh, of, of horse owners as well as, as vets will shift. And there's some interesting uh, data out there about, you know, how the iGen differs to, to millennials. And, and, and certainly, they're different. People people evolve. So I, I do think we, we need to just accept that and, and, and uh, yeah, well, go with the flow there. <laughs> uh, so we've talked a little bit there about what challenges um, – there can be dealing with clients, but in terms of what's what's great about being an equine vet, we we ran a campaign a year and a half ago, getting people to send in videos about what they loved about being in the profession, and we've got loads of uptake there. Some really touching, heartfelt um, video clips. What did you pick up from the profession, Renata? Sorry, from the survey, Renata, about what people enjoyed about the well, well certainly the top things that came out were as we already mentioned animals but also uh, uh the variety that job offers i mean if i look at my own own career uh you know i, I don't think any other professional there are not many professions who could have uh, offered me the ability to shift focus 
so often while still making a living, basically. Uh, but what was also interesting that uh, on the plus side, people said they liked interacting with clients, which w was quite interesting because on the one hand, they like interacting with clients, but on the other hand, they also dislike interacting with clients. So it obviously it's situation dependent. Um, it depends on what the clients like. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and and Lucy, for you, what what do you love about being being an equine vet? I certainly really just enjoy being out in the car and seeing the countryside and the fresh air and and interacting with those clients. And you're entering their home, aren't you, as an ambulatory vet? You're going to their property, their yards, and you're really becoming sort of you know you get your tea and your cake and your coffee, and you're you're really welcomed on the whole. And that's that's a really nice feeling. I like that kind of you know every day is a bit different you don't know what you're going to encounter at each visit necessarily and that's 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 where I get my kicks I'd say day to day. And Renata you uh, your work as an equine vet has been been different from a from an ambulatory practitioner but what have you loved about it? Well I started out as an ambulatory uh, vet and uh, I moved obviously in, into specialist work and, and, and so on and research and teaching and it, it's quite interesting Lucy likes the versatility of her day-to-day -day work I uh, like exactly the same thing we just have chosen different paths to use that versatility and uh, I chose to work for the majority of my career at the university where I could teach, do clinical work and, and do research. So um, I, I guess it doesn't, doesn't get much more versatile than that. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Both. So it sounds there that we're, we're all in a situation where perhaps like most jobs, our, our experience, and our enjoyment goes up and down. And as we get more settled and more comfortable in our roles, we tend to find that we're able to enjoy them a bit more. Is that a fair summary Lucy yeah. yeah I think so and I think you you find you, you gravitate towards what makes you happy so you find the nice clients that you trust and get on with and and over time those things sort of find a natural balance I would say but obviously early on in your career you're finding your feet aren't you you're not sure what what you're going to find and what you're going to enjoy and what you're not going to enjoy so it takes time and you've got to be patient and allow that to evolve and happen do you agree with that, Renata? Well, I I I like the I like new challenges. So I I get a little bit uh, you know itchy feet when when things get too settled. So I like the fact that uh, that we we have the chance to to do something else if if we chose to and and try other things. So um, yeah, I I think it's a fine line between doing new things and feeling comfortable in a way. So goes both ways yeah yeah good stuff good stuff so so there's plenty for us to digest there thank you both for that really thoughtful and um hopefully we'll speak to you soon renata we're going to come back and listen to uh, you tell us a little bit about the whole of your career lucy we're going to let you go now thanks very much and cheerio thanks very much guys see thank you soon you. bye, -bye. bye. So, Renata, thanks for staying on. Which I just wanted to learn a little bit about your background and what's taken your career from the start to where you are now. So, what as a as a youngster, when did you decide you wanted to be a vet? I, I'm afraid I'm absolutely typical for the veterinary demographics that I, I want to be a vet when from very little on. I grew up on a southern German pig farm. Uh, so, I, I, I grew up with my grandparents who had, I think... I think they had 12 pigs 
so nothing like the big uh, big farms today. And uh, my first childhood memory is my grandma sitting me next to a sow who was about to give birth saying, well, if the first one pops out, come and get me from the kitchen. <laughs> and were, were there horses around at that stage? Um, there were, I, I dimly remember two farm horses, uh, but they weren't for riding. And uh, certainly I never envisioned to becoming a horse vet. I always thought I would become, uh, well, uh, quite frankly, a, a in, in a way, a James Harriet type vet with a focus on farm animal. So, so when, where did you go to vet school? Munich. Great time. Oh, amazing time. Uh, the Munich <laughs> uh, faculty is right next to the English Garden, the biggest park right in the center of Munich, with the biggest beer garden next to it. So I'm afraid we we spend a lot of time there. So uh, yeah, no, best time. I, I would say probably best time in my life, to be honest. Fantastic. And, we're, and I think probably we're all aware of the size and shape of the vet schools in the UK. But um, so how many were in your year group? 250. Wow. Yeah. So a lot bigger than, than at the same time in the UK, but um, but it would relate to the sort of numbers that are in the UK, some of the UK colleges now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the fun thing was we actually did know each other which is i don't think necessarily given that, that in the years nowadays because we we just uh, we, we had a lot of fun we had a lot of parties we went skiing we played volleyball so there was a much i think the focus was less on studying and more on uh, social interaction i have to say <laughs> and in your coming into your final year what were you what did you decide you wanted to do after graduating well, I was a bit naughty because after about two years into vet school, I didn't like it anymore. It was very hard going. I mean, we did study hard. It was a lot of learning by heart. And I wasn't necessarily, I, I didn't want to be a vet anymore. And uh, a lot of credit to my parents. They actually gave me a year out. And I actually worked in a way as a veterinary nurse or technician. And I rediscovered that this is what I wanted to do. But it was it was hard going. Uh, and for a while, I thought I would go over to politics and uh, art history. Um, so it wasn't a clear path, the, <laughs> I, I tell you that. Um, and when, when I graduated, I, I did start out in mixed practice. And then uh, sadly, my first boss and mentor uh, died. And uh, then I was too young to take over the practice, too inexperienced. And I was a little bit lost. And so I decided to do something completely different. And through some personal connections, I uh, was very lucky that I ended up at Colorado State uh, at the reproduction unit. Right. And and equine reproduction unit or general reproduction? Equine. Unit? Equine reproduction. So I spent uh, half a year there. And then I spent uh, uh, almost, almost a year at uh, Colorado State's uh, teaching hospital. Still working in, still working in repro. No, still, this this was uh, like, like a general. Uh, there there was no official internship program at the time, but basically, in a way, that's what I'd done. Uh, I just uh, rotated through the different different services and had had a great a time. Was that a very different experience to your time at Munich? Yeah, totally. Uh, Munich at the time didn't have any clinical rotations or anything. So Munich graduates were pretty good in theory, 
Um, I, I still think I can probably outshine a lot of uh, graduates in terms of anatomy, histology, physiology, but we, we had no or very little animal contact, whereas there, the students in, in, had already had rotations and a lot of animal practical experience, which then I got as well. So it, it was brilliant. So you had a great time at Colorado. And then what made you leave? Uh, what made me leave was my now husband was already my boyfriend at the time and he was still back <laughs> in Germany. So I went back to Germany and worked there as an ambulatory equine vet um, uh, and uh, so got, got a lot of hands-on experience there. And then and, th and then what? Because you, you moved into imaging, didn't you really? But was that the next step? Uh, no, no, I, I think I probably have the, one of the most convoluted CVs of, <laughs> uh, of uh, anyone in equine. I, I went, I, I was originally planning to go back to Colorado to do a residency, but that wasn't that easy at the time in terms of visa requirements and, and, and so on. So uh, the guys at Colorado State, and, and I really owe, uh, owe the, the uh, Gail Trotter there who pointed me in the direction of Stephen May at the Royal Veterinary College and said, well, you know, if, if, uh, why, why don't you go to London and talk to, to Stephen May there? And I did. And I... Um, I was very lucky that uh, Stephen took me on at the beginning as a clinical research scholar. So right. I, I worked in a in an almost dual capacity doing uh, clinical work as well as research. And I just then I, I always liked orthopedics, and I always liked surgery. But I found out that I liked the diagnostic process more than actually cutting things. Uh, so I drifted into the whole workup diagnosis, and and with that, obviously, in equine comes a lot of imaging, and I drifted into into that area. So that you obviously stayed at the RVC and and set up home close to the RVC. Uh, so you were obviously very happy there and stayed there for for a number of years. Well, I, I actually left, <laughs> I left after three years. Yeah, I left. I went back to Germany and then uh, my husband and I uh, had a child. And then I we, we spent some years in California, in Berkeley, very crazy time. Uh, and uh, then I came back after years. I came back again to the RVC to do a PhD right. in biomechanics. Right, right. And then so so how long how long in that second stint were you? Yeah, I came. I came back uh, to to the UK to the RBC in two thousand and two, uh, and have right. not left since, apart from going on holiday. And I have to say, <laughs> the RBC has given me a great career. I, I honestly, it couldn't. It couldn't. It was tailor made for me. I I like the versatility. I, I was able to do research. I was able to teach students. I was able to do high level clinical work, working with amazing colleagues and. Uh, yeah, it, it was brilliant, brilliant time. Great. And how was it? Was there much interaction with between your work and Tilo's work? Oh yeah, we we had uh, heated discussions. Uh, it's uh, absolutely, and it's still the case. So we we have a few papers together. Uh, there is one single paper that is Weller and Fow. We had a bit of a debate whether it should be Fow and Weller or Weller and Fow. Um, so yeah, we, we did a few few things together. We always kept our own research areas as well, because otherwise, I think we might have ended the divorce. Uh, but yeah, no, no, we, we we did a bit of work together. 
great. And then relatively recently, you uh, you jumped ship and move into the corporate world. I did. And I guess after almost 20 years at the RVC, I was ready for a new challenge. Uh, and I, I just wanted uh, to give this a go. They offered me a huge scope uh, by looking after the education of uh, so many people uh, that are employed by CVS. And I do feel the responsibility and I'm hoping I, 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 I'm doing a good job and, and I can make a difference in, in people's development. So, yeah, it, it's uh, so far a year in. It's it's been it's been interesting and exciting, and uh, I'm very still very enthusiastic about it. Brilliant, brilliant. And one question I I always interested in is any regrets about being a vet? Not a single minute. I know this is not a fashionable statement at the moment yeah. where, uh, you know, uh, a large uh, or not a large percentage, but a certain percentage in the pro profession uh, would, would like to leave. But I have to say, I never thought about leaving. But when I got restless, I just changed the focus of my career. And I, I, don't, I honestly don't think there is many professions where you can do this as easily as you can do it with a veterinary degree. And Renata, you always seem to be, to me, to be one of the most positive people I, I, I meet. Renata, thank you very much. That was fascinating. Uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity and thank everybody who is listening. Thanks a lot. Bye.